You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Mean Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge. Because as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pros Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. So if you're listening on the date it dropped, which is Thursday, that means it's St. Patrick's Day. So I hope that you're wearing green today or else that means that you get pinched. And I guess if you're pregnant, they'll give you a pass and they won't pinch you. You just <laughs> blame it on the pregnancy and say, oh my God, I just slipped my mind. It's pregnancy brain. Give me a pass. I also have two really good doctor friends who celebrate their birthday every St. Patrick's Day. And that is Dr. Cherie Hill, who used to be Cherie Cross. We were in undergrad. She's OBGYN in Atlanta. And Dr. Rainier Batiste, who is an, a hospice physician in the Baton Rouge area. So happy birthday, y'all. So this week, I've gotten a lot of questions about surprise pregnancies and what to do if you find out you're pregnant and it wasn't really planned. I know that I've always said that the best way to reduce your risk of things like preeclampsia, uncontrolled diabetes, uh, small babies, having early delivery is to plan or get a preconception consult to help you plan before you get pregnant. But what happens if you didn't get to plan? Does that mean something bad's going to happen? Is it something bad's going to happen? I know everybody's like, oh my God, what what am I going to do? Well, first off, breathe. Just breathe for a second. It's likely going to be okay. But the best thing you can and should do is to decide how exactly you want to handle the pregnancy. If you want to proceed versus if you don't want to proceed. And if you want to proceed, you should do the following. First off, and and these things are not in the same order. Because if I get to the end, people be like, what? I should have done that first. This is not in any particular order. But these are the things I think that you should do personally. So you should probably go ahead and make an OB appointment as soon as possible, right? It may take you like a month. Some OBGYNs, it takes up to six weeks to get in. So if you already missed a cycle and you are two to four weeks pregnant and it's going to take you another six weeks to get in, most people don't get into their OBGYN until they're around eight weeks. That's pretty typical. But you want to make it as soon as possible so that you can get that first OBGYN appointment. Or, you know, if you're going to a midwife or or whoever your provider is, your family medicine doctor, get in to get established as soon as you possibly can. The next thing I want you to do is go through all of your medications, either bring them with you to your doctor's office or write them down. But you need to know what medicines you're on. I mean, a lot of people present to their first prenatal visit and they have no idea 
with their take it because they're like, oh, it's over the counter. That doesn't count. Over the counter medicines definitely count. Okay. They're definitely over the counter medicines you should not be using in pregnancy. So I want you to check your medicines and write all of your medicines down. If you're on acne medicines, especially those containing retinoic acid or retin A, you need to stop those cold turkey. Okay. You don't have to wean yourself off of those. Just stop them. Those are, can cause severe defects, facial defects, heart defects in babies. So, uh, and there's no reason that you should take that or an alternative in pregnancy. So you need to go ahead and stop it. If you're worried about acne, make sure you tell your dermatologist, Hey, you're pregnant. Um, usually if you're on those type of medicines, they will tell you to take some type of backup contraception or birth control until you have two negative tests. They make you wean off of it, two negative tests, and then you can go ahead and start getting pregnant. But if you got pregnant on it, then you need to let them know and then also let your OBGYN or your provider know, but you do need to stop this one cold turkey. If you're on medicines for depression and anxiety, call your prescribing physician, whether that's a psychiatrist or your family medicine doctor or uh, you know a psychologist. Call them as soon as you can so that they can switch you, okay? They should be able to tell you If the medicines you are taking are safe or not in pregnancy, and if they aren't safe in pregnancy, they should be able to prescribe an alternative that is safe or at least safer in pregnancies, particularly the first trimester of pregnancy. So I do not recommend stopping any mood stabilizers or antidepressants or anxiolytics or anxiety treating drugs without a suitable alternative. Some of those medicines stopping cold turkey can increase your risk of hallucinations. It can increase your your risk of some suicidal ideation or suicidal thoughts. It can put you back into severe depression. And so we don't want you to have any of those symptoms just because you stopped all your medicine cold turkey in terms of your mood stabilizers or antidepressants. So please you do need to talk to your prescriber and say, hey, I, I got pregnant. I slipped up. I got pregnant while I was on these medicines. What do I do now? Okay. And then always tell your OB, even if you stopped it really early, you need to let your provider know I was on these at the time I could have conceived. Okay. Because that would mean that you weren't a more detailed ultrasound during your pregnancy by somebody like me, who's a high risk OBGYN or a maternal fetal medicine doctor who's going to look at your baby from head to toe to tell you if that medicine has affected any part of your baby or could counsel you to tell you if that medicine has any long-term cognitive effects on your baby, okay? And plus, we want to make sure you have some type of suitable alternative because the last thing we need is for somebody that was on medicines for ADHD or depression to all of a sudden have a difficult time coping or focusing emotionally in the pregnancy. I mean, that would be detrimental. And that by itself can increase your risk of poor pregnancy outcomes. So we don't want you to have any symptoms of withdrawing. We don't want you to, to have rebound uh, anxiety or depression or, you know, uh, or not be able to focus focus or or cope. That's not our goal in the pregnancy. You should be able to sustain yourself through the pregnancy with some healthier alternative. Next, you should start prenatal vitamins. So you get a positive pregnancy test, you weren't expecting it, 
Start prenatal vitamins, okay? Even if you're thinking about terminating, you should start prenatal vitamins. Why? Because a lot of people think they're going to terminate and then they end up not terminating. And then you haven't started the prenatal vitamins or you haven't started the supplements that you may need to start to reduce your risk of having a baby with some birth defects. So I always tell my patients, if you're not sure, treat it as if you're sure you're going to keep the baby and start prenatal vitamins, okay? If you have diabetes, you should also add two milligrams of folic acid or folate with your prenatal vitamin. If you have a history of a seizure disorder or you're taking medicines that were used for seizures, okay, but they're really mood altering, uh, you're using it for mood alteration, then you need four milligrams of folic acid. Why? Because these populations have a higher risk of having what's called spina bifida, which is where the spinal cord is exposed because there's a defect in the vertebral column or the actual canal that the the nerves run through, okay? And that can cause uh, exposure to those nerves, which can cause damage. If it's in a whole bunch of amniotic fluid with no protection, it can cause damage. And that can mean that the baby would have trouble walking, could have trouble with bowel or bladder function. And so you want to reduce that risk as much as possible. And by the time you hit 12 to 13 weeks, the spine is already formed. So the earlier you start um, folic acid supplementation, the better, okay? And you can't overdose on folic acid. You're just going to like go to the bathroom and get rid of it if you have too much of it. So it's not that big of a deal. Gonna pull it out. So it's not that big of a deal, but it's better to take it than to not take it. I have people that come in at 18 weeks, like I was wondering if I should take this extra folic acid. Well, not anymore. I mean, it doesn't matter anymore because like I say, the spinal spinal cord is developed around 13 weeks, okay? So after that time, there's no benefit of taking it unless you just have a nutritional uh, deficit of it because you have a poor diet. But other than that, there will be no reason to replace it uh, or add it to for benefit of the baby itself. Okay. And so for reference, for comparison, most prenatal vitamins have about 400 micrograms to 800 micrograms of folate. And remember, you have a thousand micrograms and one milligram. So that's why... People that have a seizure, a history of a seizure disorder, or they're taking these medicines that interfere with folate and how folate is metabolized. And you need folate to make DNA, okay? That's why you need so much more folate, okay? Because you're overcoming the action of some of these drugs. So that's why it's four milligrams, not just 400 micrograms, okay? The next thing I encourage everybody to do, all of my patients, is to drink water. Okay, I know this is like, why do you have to tell us to drink water? Duh, we already know we got to drink water. Well, some of y'all don't know (laughs) that you're supposed to be drinking water. Like some of y'all come in my office and I'll say, how much water are you drinking? And you say, oh, I drink two or three bottles. And I'm like, what? You need to be drinking 80 to 100 ounces of water a day, okay? And that means that you're drinking five 20 liter bottles of water, or you can drink six 16 point ounce, 16.8 ounce or 16.9 ounce bottles of water. So you should be drinking anywhere five to six bottles of water a day, okay? Five to six bottles of water a day is what I want you to be drinking, okay? Um, because you want to get the minimum in. Especially if you have like 
twins or triplets. You, you need to drink even more than that. All right. Now, remember, caffeinated beverages don't count. So people are like, oh, I drink a whole bunch of juice. That doesn't help you drink a whole bunch of sugary drinks. That doesn't do anything but increase your risk of insulin resistance or a.k.a. gestational diabetes. So let's not do that. And then we don't want you to do any caffeinated beverages because some babies are caffeine sensitive, believe it or not. Their little heart rate speed up when that caffeine stimulates them. So we don't want you doing a whole bunch of caffeinated beverages. Okay. Now you can add those little sugar-free Dasani drops or Crystal Light that you can get down. Uh, you can add so you can get the water down a little bit easier, especially if you have an aversion to water. Like some people don't like the taste of water in pregnancy. Now, a lot of people say water doesn't really have a taste, but when you're pregnant, you do have your taste buds are sort of off. Like most people have like a nasty taste in their mouth or metallic tasting in their mouth, or especially if you've had issues with nausea and vomiting in the first trimester, you may want to add something that has a little hint of flavor so you can get the water down. And the next thing you should do, which is why I say not in this particular order, you should probably let your spouse know you're pregnant, y'all. Or your boyfriend or whoever your baby father is, let them know. I mean, you need the support of them and you should want their support. And you want to make sure that the other half of this baby is able to be a part of the journey as well. Now, some of y'all asked me about paternity tests and if these can be done in the pregnancy. Now, this is a whole nother episode. But in short, yes, it can be done in the pregnancy, but it's not recommended because you would have to it would have to be done through what's called a genetic amniocentesis. That's when we insert a needle, we would draw fluid from around the baby and we send that off for the baby's genetic neck makeup. Now, anytime we introduce a needle, although it's a low risk, it still carries some risk of losing the pregnancy. And we don't want to risk a procedure just to find out who the father of the baby is. So I do not recommend this at all. It's better to get the baby tested for paternity if that's a concern. I'm not saying that that's your concern, but if it is your concern, it's best to get that done after the baby is physically here. It's a harmless test after the baby's here and you don't want to risk uh, anything happening during the pregnancy just because you were anxious and eager during the pregnancy. Now, if you don't want to carry the pregnancy, I'm not here to judge you, but know that many states have very strict termination regulations. For example, in Texas, which is the state I'm in, you can't terminate after six weeks unless the life of the mother is deemed unsafe. And that means that several physicians have to touch and agree that you have have over 50% chance of passing away. Now, many other states have their own specific laws, so you would need to ask your provider about limitations for termination and or research states and facilities where these procedures can be performed. Now, in some states, we can't personally arrange for abortive procedures for you. We can't even refer you for abortive procedures. We can get in trouble for that or we can get sued. So you might have to do a little of your own research in in this area and that area to see if your state has regulations and limitations on terminations, and if they do, what are they? And where else could you go if you're beyond that gestational age? So now that we know a little bit more about, now that we know a little more about what to do if you have an unplanned pregnancy, let's dive into some cases. Our first case is a 30-year-old who presented 
for a myomectomy due to three large fibroids ranging from five to eight centimeters in size. She was put under anesthesia, but prior to starting her surgery, her surgeon got a call from the lab stating that the patient's pregnancy test was positive with an HCG level of 979. Therefore, the surgery was not performed and her anesthesia was reversed. Besides fibroids, she has obesity with a BMI of 32. She was referred for consultation for this unplanned pregnancy. Wow. Well, the good thing is most people do get myomectomies because they want to have a baby. And hopefully this was this was this patient's case, hopefully that she was getting a myomectomy, which is the same thing as a surgery to remove fibroids and keep the uterus intact. Well, hopefully that's the reason that she was getting it. And I will say now that you're pregnant, you can't get a myomectomy. You have to address that after the pregnancy is over because we don't want to be making incisions in the uterus or mucking around with the uterus while there's a baby that's in there. Now, the fact that your HCG level, which is the uh, your pregnancy hormone level, is 979, that's low, okay? Usually the threshold at which we could see something inside of your uterus on ultrasound would be about 1500 or above, okay? And that's on a transvaginal ultrasound, not, not an abdominal ultrasound. So transvaginally, we should be able to see a gestational sac at least at a level of at least 1500. Now, um, so what I would do for you is to bring you back 48 hours later and have your blood, your HCG level repeated. Your HCG level should double every 48 hours. Okay. So it should actually over double every 48 hours. And so by the time you come back, you would be at the threshold where we should be able to see something in your uterus. And so I would do a transvaginal ultrasound to see what that, if you, we can actually see a baby inside of the uterus. And if we can, great, we can date you by that, meaning we can take some measurements of the size of the baby and that would then confirm your due date. Now, I know you're worried about the fibroids that are still there. Yes, fibroids usually cause some issues getting pregnant, but once you get pregnant, it usually doesn't cause too many issues unless you have huge fibroids and those fibroids are behind the placenta, meaning the placenta is implanted on those fibroids. And people that do have that happen have a higher chance of miscarriage due to fibroids. Most people, though, once you get pregnant, they don't have a miscarriage. The biggest concern about fibroids is one, fibroid degeneration, which is where the fibroids will increase in size because it, they're estrogen and hormonal hormonally responsive and Pregnancy is just a big bundle of hormones. So the fibroids are like, yes, I have the fuel that I need to grow, right? And once the fibroids outgrow its blood supply, then they'll start to die in the middle. So they what's, do what's called necrosis or undergo necrosis. And that is cell death. Now, the good thing about that is the fibroids will start to shrink because they don't have any blood supply. The bad thing is it can cause you to have a lot of pain. Okay, so you can have a lot of pain. It's not harmful to the pregnancy itself, but it does can suck for you. Everybody is different with that. Not everybody has fibroid degeneration. I had five fibroids. They were all big and I did not have fibroid degeneration. 
small fibroids usually don't degenerate. It's the big ones that are, you know, above the five centimeter mark that can cause more of issues with degeneration. Okay. And people with fibroids also tend to have a smaller baby. So you would need to be followed very closely in the pregnancy to monitor the growth of the baby. But usually after that, there's not a whole bunch of things that happen just because of fibroids. Now, I know you're also probably a little bit concerned because you're like, oh my God, I was under anesthesia, right? You probably got a little bit of Ativan in your IV to cause you to relax on the way back. They put you under. So you probably had, you know, the sleepy medicine that Michael Jackson got, the propofol, um, or you had, you know, Ativan, or you had, you know, some type of, some type of relaxant to get you to go to sleep plus pain medicine. Don't worry. This kit, this is basically going to cause minimal harm. You weren't under anesthesia that long. You have a baby with a heartbeat now. And so all we can do now is focus on the way forward. We can't hark on the fact that you were under anesthesia. Yes, people having surgeries in the first trimester do have a higher risk of loss. But people in the first trimester, period, have a higher risk of loss. And that's really the reason that we don't like people to have surgery because we don't want people to assume the anesthesia caused the loss and not that they're in the one one in three people that would have a miscarriage in the first trimester. Okay, so we usually wait to the second. But if you still if you still have a baby with a heartbeat and you're and you're fine, I mean that heart tone is normal, then breathe. The surgery has not really caused anything and it's right really not an issue going forward the rest of the pregnancy. The biggest deal is to make sure we're monitoring the fibroids, okay? So the case pro for this case, most women can have very normal pregnancies despite fibroids. However, due to the risk of the baby being small, if you do have fibroids, you should get periodic ultrasounds to check the baby's growth. All right, medical intern, what's our second case? Our second case is a 39-year-old who has a history of high blood pressure and just found out that she's nine weeks pregnant. She is taking Lozartan, but was told to discontinue it. She was referred for consultation for management of her high blood pressure in pregnancy. All right, so again, congratulations on the baby. You are 39 years old, you have high blood pressure. That is not the end of the world. But the biggest deal is that we need to control your blood pressure going through this pregnancy. You're on Lozartan. That is what's considered uh, an uh, an angiotensin receptor blocker or abbreviated as ARB, okay? And I say that because that's really one of the ones you need to make sure you know about that class of drug. And I don't talk about many drug classes, but we're going to talk about this one because this, as well as things like lisinopril, which are ACE, what's called ACE inhibitors, those two classes of drugs can cause severe issues with your baby's kidneys and are associated with some birth defects in your baby. Okay. So you do not need to take those two classes of drugs. So if you're on Losartan, that's in that class and you would need to be switched to an alternative drug. Okay. So usually we switch you to one of the three of our first line agents like labetalol that we've talked about on the show quite often. That's a what's called a beta blocker. It's going to slow down your actual resting heart rate and cause dilation of your blood vessels. Why is that important? It's really important because your blood volume is doubled in pregnancy. So we want to make sure your vessels are compliant enough to hold that blood volume. 
or they can give you nifedipine, same thing as Procardia. That is a medicine that is going to block calcium receptors that also causes relaxation, okay? Allows your body to accommodate more blood volume without your vessels being super duper constricted, making blood move faster and faster. It's making your vessels dilated and making your heart more compliant, okay? So those are the two first line medicines for blood, high blood pressure and pregnancy. But obviously you need to talk to your provider, your primary care provider and or your OBGYN because you're more of a high risk pregnancy to make sure that they switch you to something immediately. Now, I don't want you to all of a sudden stop Losartan and they not put you on anything. Because then you have somebody that has really well-controlled blood pressure. And then all of a sudden, their blood pressure is like 160, 170s over 110. And they're like, I don't know why my blood pressure is so high. Well, it's high because you're not on any blood pressure medicine. And what we can't do is just stop blood pressure medicine and not switch you to something else to control you. It's really important to get you well-controlled as early as possible in the pregnancy. The other thing, like anybody else that is African-American or an African being African-American is an independent risk factor now for preeclampsia or high blood pressure and vascular damage. But even if you're not African-American, if you have a history of high blood pressure, if you've had preeclampsia in a previous pregnancy, if you have diabetes, all of those things are going to increase your risk of getting preeclampsia this pregnancy. So we want you to start baby aspirin, which is aspirin, 81 milligrams, Once a day, you can take it with your prenatal vitamin. You can take it on the opposite end of the day from your prenatal vitamin. I really don't care. I just want to make sure you're taking the baby aspirin once a day. Start it at at around 12 weeks and take it every day until 36 weeks. Unless there's a reason that you shouldn't be taking aspirin, like you have a bleeding disorder or you've been bleeding a lot during the pregnancy, then you're going to talk to your provider about, hey, should I be on aspirin or should I not? So talk to your uh, your OBGYNs about this. They will likely send you to somebody like me in the pregnancy because you do have high blood pressure and you also have a higher risk of having a baby with some, some birth defects because You are over age 35, so you do need somebody to take a very detailed, in-depth look at the baby and offer you some genetic screening this pregnancy uh, rather early. So the case pearl for this case is Losartan and Lisinopril, which are those two classes of drugs we already talked about, should be avoided in pregnancy. Okay, so we have an emailed case and it says, Dr. Plenty, I hope that you're able to get to my question. I had to get a COVID-19 booster due to my job. Two weeks later, I started having nausea and vomiting, which I assumed was due to the booster. When my period didn't come, as, I, as it usually does, I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. Could the COVID-19 booster cause me to have a miscarriage? Based on when I should have had a cycle, I would be around five to six weeks right now. So I know a lot of people are very confused about this COVID-19 shot and the booster. And if it causes infertility, no, it doesn't cause infertility. And then if you get pregnant, does it cause miscarriages? No, it doesn't cause miscarriages. I'm going to be as direct as I possibly can. If you get COVID itself, that can cause you to have a miscarriage. If you get COVID itself and you're further along in the pregnancy, that can be associated with stillbirth. 
If you get COVID at the beginning of pregnancy and you make it to the third trimester, that's still associated with an increased risk of stillbirth. So it's so much better to go ahead and get a booster, whether you're in pregnancy or not, to prevent you from getting COVID. So good job for getting the booster and breathe a little bit because you have not increased your risk of miscarriage or stillbirth. Now, a third of pregnancies do end in miscarriage in the first trimester. So in the in the event that something does happen in the pregnancy, I don't want you to blame it on the booster because there's not been shown any evidence to suggest that this increased your risk of stillbirth. Um, but do know that a third of pregnancies end in miscarriage um, in the first trimester. Now, we're going to be praying with you and for you that that does not happen. And it seems like you're a very responsible person that asks very good questions and you're doing the right thing for you and your baby because COVID is still out there. And I've seen so many people that are young, healthy, you know, no medical problems going on and they get COVID and they end up in the ICU really, really long time and their baby ends up needing to be delivered preterm and can test positive afterwards. So we want all of our moms to do the very best thing for their baby. And that is to get the COVID-19 vaccine and the booster. And also when your baby is born, you will have some antibodies that have crossed the placenta that allows the baby to get a little boost in this immune system because babies get all their antibodies from mom for the first six months of life. Other way the baby gets antibodies besides just antibodies traveling through the placenta would be through the breast milk. So people that have had a COVID-19 shot or booster, they can still have some levels of antibodies in the breast milk. And then the baby ingests those antibodies, which will then help the baby also fight off COVID-19 in the event that someone from the family that happens to come and visit has uh, COVID. Okay. And so the baby can fight COVID-19. I would tell you to still wear your mask, even if you're boosted. Because the booster is not 100%, right? The vaccine is not 100%. So there's still a chance that you can get COVID-19. But usually people that are vaccinated and boosted, when they get COVID-19, they don't have super severe symptoms. They have very mild, if any, symptoms at all, which is really, really good. People that are symptomatic, meaning in the ICU and needed to be intubated, have a much higher chance of a potential transplacental spread and poor outcome than people that are walking around with COVID asymptomatic. So regardless, the booster was a very, very good move. And I think that that was very smart of you to get done. All right, medical intern, do we have any email cases, any other email cases? And she's shaking her head. No. So thanks so much for listening to Pregnancy Pearls podcast. I hope that you've learned a little bit more about unplanned pregnancies and what to do. And I hope that you've enjoyed the episode. If you did, the best compliment to do is a rate and comment on the show. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypros at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. Don't forget to catch up on the YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Plenty for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Bye.
Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.